Welcome to the Possibility Podcast. I'm Mel Schwartz, your host and thought provocateur. I've been practicing psychotherapy for well over 20 years. During that time, I've been so fortunate to witness countless breakthroughs while working with people, whether one-on-one, as a speaker, in professional trainings, or in workshops. The insights that I've garnered have inspired me to write over a hundred articles and several books, including the companion title to this podcast, The Possibility Principle, which you can find wherever books are sold. On this and every episode, I'll be introducing new ways of thinking, relating, and communicating to help you truly thrive in your life, to reach the possibilities that you may long for. Think of this as a new game plan for living. Thanks for enjoying my emerging community of possibility seekers, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. We're going to be exploring the concept of self-love today, what this means, how it's misunderstood and confused, and the correlation between a healthy love for yourself and the ability to love another. There is a common expression, you can't love another unless you love yourself. Let's take a look at that entire concept. Firstly, what do we mean by love and loving yourself? Some people will think of loving yourself as being self-entitled, narcissistic, all full of yourself. That's not the type of love I am discussing today. By self-love, I mean the ability to nurture yourself, to be kind to yourself, to be patient with yourself, to have resilience, to be in a relationship with yourself that is joyful and doesn't hide, but explores whatever you need to. The quality of this kind of loving relationship with yourself, firstly, is most easily developed if that's how you were raised by your parents, one or both. However, you can learn to develop this quality of nurturing self-love for yourself, even if you didn't have the benefit of that kind of upbringing. Our beliefs about ourselves and our ensuing thoughts and feelings are what determine the quality of our relationship with ourselves. You may have heard me say on a number of occasions that the most important relationship you will ever have is not with your parents, your spouse, your children, your close friends. The relationship that will impact you far more than any other is your relationship with your thoughts. They inform your core sense of yourself. Are your thoughts your ally or your antagonist? In a healthy, nurturing self-love, Your thoughts are not critical. And by that, I don't mean a laissez-faire attitude where everything's okay and you're blasé. I mean that your thoughts don't beat yourself up. They're not incisive or detrimental. You don't have thoughts like, how stupid am I? Or what is wrong with me? Or I'm not good enough. This doesn't suggest that you're not evaluating yourself and checking in and doing a good job. The distinction between being accepting of yourself but evaluative is an essential distinction. Many people think that when I speak of self-love, that means an anything-goes attitude, and you don't hold yourself responsible or accountable. No, it's a balance that you hold. 
where we don't want to fall into the extreme of being too critical of yourself, and you don't want to fall into the other extreme, the other orbit of not checking in and evaluating and keeping yourself accountable. When people can find a balance within themselves that is reasonably loving and nurturing, they tend not to be reactive. And if you can learn to be not reactive to yourself, you can learn to be not reactive to others, whether we're talking about friends, children, parents, spouse. But to love another requires the quietness of mind that you have within yourself so as not to be reactive and judgmental of others. If you can learn to be forgiving to yourself and kind to yourself, then you can forgive and be kind to others. It's all rather logical when you think about it. Let's take a look at the expression, I'm disappointed in you. That expression is judgmental. It means that you have failed me. If my monologue with myself is that I am disappointed in me, that's what I mean by judgmental. So what might we say? What should we say rather than that? Well, to another, we might say, I'm disappointed for you. That would be nurturing, parenting, caring, friendly. I'm disappointed for you. That's the voice of an ally, not of a judge or a critic. So as you're listening to this, you may wonder, well, if I wasn't loved properly and I don't love myself the way Mel is describing, what can I do? There's a lot you can do. You can begin to evaluate and look at your relationship with your beliefs and thoughts, as I've just mentioned. You can refer to my book, The Possibility Principle, which has countless exercises on how to free yourself from judgmental, critical thought. In my work as a therapist and as a marriage counselor, the most singular quality that I look at in assessing somebody's self-worth and potential for self-love is the quality of their thoughts. If those thoughts are critical and biting and limiting and debasing and humiliating, your relationship with yourself is going to be debasing and critical. It makes no sense. So learning to root yourself up from the habitual tendency of self-loathing and self-criticism and self-limitation is key. In today's episode, we're not going to be going into detail on how to do that. I have covered some pieces of that in earlier episodes, and I will be continuing to explore how we can enter into a healthier, nurturing relationship with self. But the premise today is that you can't really love another unless you love yourself. Now, given, sadly, that most of us do not love ourselves to the extent of our ability, we don't love others to the extent of that ability. And so we are too judgmental, too critical, too distant. Perhaps the motivation to a healthier, more nurturing, loving relationship with yourself is to think about the benefit and the gift that you'd be giving those around you family, dear friends, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to love them the way they deserve to be loved? Well, the pivot there is to devote yourself to loving yourself. This is more important than your intelligence. It's more important than your financial success. It is more important than anything. 
It's my great pleasure now to introduce a very interesting man who I've met recently. His name is Chris Wise. He's an entrepreneur and a thought leader and an advocate and a great progenitor of new thinking around the idea of quantum love or LQ, you call it, Chris, love quotient, right? That's it. Okay, well, welcome welcome to this episode, Chris. Can you share with our listeners what you mean by love quotient and what got you into this field of work? Yeah, absolutely. And Mel, great, great to, to be here with you today. LQ is the newest of the intelligence paradigms. First, there was IQ. Then there was EQ, which came out around the past 20 years and became really popular about 10 years ago and has now been integrated into the school system into different business methodologies. And really over the past years, LQ, love quotient, or the intelligence of the heart, has really started to become more known. LQ is one's ability to be kind and loving towards yourself and to others. And I think LQ has some very profound implications. Unimaginably profound, I would think. So for the listener, um, firstly, could you share what got you interested in this field personally? And then let's move into a discussion about how one can access and amplify their love quotient. The first person that I ever saw talking about LQ was Jack Ma, who's the billionaire founder of Alibaba. And when I saw he was talking about LQ and how he believes that in the age of machines and artificial intelligence, LQ, your ability to be kind and loving, will actually be more important than IQ and EQ, I was like, man, that's what I've been talking about and writing about for the past couple of years. What I realized is that LQ, the container of LQ, really puts love, which the things I'm talking about aren't necessarily new. It's just I feel like the, the container of LQ brings it into a tangible and practical container that already has a context in the world because of IQ and EQ that people can say, ah, here's a new way of thinking about love that is actually tangible and practical and strips away any religious connotation, spiritual connotation. But it, and it's the emergence, and this is why I love this conversation with you, because it's the emergence of science and like hard data with this concept that so many people are familiar with and know is important, which is love. So as I know you're familiar with some of my work around quantum love or quantum entanglement, there is the notion of love. Let's just look at love as a concept without the science. The expression is falling in love. Falling means letting go, letting go of boundaries and divisions, coming into this sense of oneness, a quantum entanglement of oneness for people who have had the experience of falling in love, and hopefully most have. There's this special sense of resonating with one another. What gets in the way from my experience and from my work is that as the relationship matures, there's a pulling back from the oneness. And there's a greater sense of competition, which we experience in our culture. The concept of win-lose is very rooted in our language, how we speak to each other. From your experience and your perspective, Chris, how does a couple, two people, and it's, of course, this doesn't need to be romantic love. It can be any relationship. But how do those two people 
prosper and maintain that sense of oneness? How do you avoid the distraction to pull away and become adversarial? First, I want to take a step back and and actually reframe LQ. So when I'm talking about love in the sense of LQ, it's not about romantic relationships, although the way I'm going to answer your question can be directly applied to romantic relationships. First off, I think it's important to actually just redefine our understanding of love. Because most people, when they think about love, they think about the love with a romantic partner or maybe with your kids or family members or things like that. And I actually want to take a step back and say that love is actually the very fabric of our reality and that the more in tune that we can become with love through deeply loving ourselves, the more naturally we show up kind and loving in the world. We are all taught the importance of being kind and loving to others and to pay it forward and all of that. But most of us are not taught how to actually love ourselves because we can't give what we don't have. But there's a lot of people who actually try to give from a place of lack or where they haven't taken care of themselves. And so they're giving from a place of scarcity or or loving and being kind from a place of I I haven't taken care of me. And then that creates all kinds of weird, different dynamics of codependency of, hey, I'm going to be nice to you or be loving to you, or I'm going to say I love you to you, but I got to hear that back. And so it creates this weird dependency on life and on others to give us the love and kindness that we seek and that we need. But when we start from a place of, hey, I'm going to make sure my cup is filled first. I'm going to make sure I'm starting from a place of being kind and loving towards myself. And then now when I go out into the world, I can actually now give and not expect anything in return. And now whatever that comes back my way can be received as a gift. And it ends this dependency cycle on life and on others and puts us into a place where we don't have to try to be kind and loving because we just are, because we have so deeply loved and embraced ourselves. So what you have just described would be what I would refer to as authentically loving, where there's not a dependency or a codependency, where it's not transactional. Now, as we all know, our listeners included, um, most people, sadly and regrettably, may have experienced an insufficient quality of unconditional love as children. People have been hurt, wounded and traumatized, which has all contributed to not being able to love ourselves the way we should. And what gets in the way on a very tangible level are our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not smart enough. All these constructs get in the way of our being loving to ourselves. Do you have any thoughts about what people can do to shift that relationship with self. Whatever arises, love that. And that the aspect of self that is having doubt or is having fear or is having the belief, those thoughts or feelings are coming up because those are aspects of ourselves that need love. Because you're absolutely right. Most of us, if not everybody, (laughs) we don't receive all the love that we need from our parental structures growing up. And so when we learn how to become the source of our own love, and I'll I'll, I'll give you two very specific tools that you can use in regard to this. 
the first one is just saying the words, I love you, to your own self, your own inner self, your own inner child. Just saying the words, I love you. I love you. It's not an affirmation. You are actively loving you. And to take this to the next level, or right, to get ninja with this, right, when there is insecurities or fears or beliefs that are coming up. So let's say for me, I had some insecurity coming up around women that was coming up and I was starting to feel a little insecure, like, hey, should I go talk to her? And so I, I would, you know, there was a lack of confidence. And so to that part of myself, I said, you're the one who doesn't feel confident. I love you. And so you can apply this like to, to whatever it is, whether it's sadness or fear to the one who's feeling fear. I love you to the one who doubts, the one who feels confused, the one who feels lost. This is a way that you can get super ninja with loving these different aspects of yourself. Because when we feel safe enough in our own bodies to be able to feel the emotions that are coming up, then they can move through us. And many times that's all that's necessary. When we don't feel safe enough in our own bodies, that's when we start acting in all these different funky ways and finding different ways to counterbalance because we're carrying this weight. And so when we learn, really learn how to love ourselves and we can get ninja with loving these different aspects of ourselves, that's when we can begin to create profound change in how we interact with ourselves in the world. That speaks to the common experience whereby people speak about their fear of rejection or judgment by other people, in which I am explaining to them, if your sense of self is intact, in, in this case, loving, or if your self-worth is deeply authentic, then the position is no one can be my judge other than if I have to appear in a courthouse and appear before a judge. Other people have opinions of me, but it's my elevating their opinion to a judgment, which is an abandonment of my own sense of self, so that my sense of self needs to be intact. But let's come back to what you're proposing, to speak to the part of yourself that feels insecure, incomplete, or lacking, and say, I love you. So in so doing, it sounds like you're acting as the good and loving parent to the part of yourself that is not yet complete. You are your own parent. So there's your adult version of self loving that inner child version of self. Absolutely. And you have, you have practiced this yourself and it has worked well for you? Yes. Here, I'll even give you the extreme. Like, I went through prison loving myself. I, I did this practice in the most violent and unsafe places I've ever been. And for 19 months... In the face of violence, in the face of all of my fears and sadness, I so deeply loved myself. And I created an internal space of safety that I didn't have on the outside. And this completely blew the lid off. Well, that's an amazing story. What catalyzed this experience for you? What was your opening to shift your relationship with yourself? Well, I mean, I had been on a, you know, a spiritual and personal development journey for 15 years prior to all this. And so I had all the right tools to make prison the transformational experience it was meant to be. I didn't know I was doing anything illegal and I didn't have an intention. But nonetheless, sometimes <laughs> life brings you the circumstances for your highest transformation and evolution. Right. And this was it for me. And, and the, my very first night in prison, my intuition told me to surrender. It told me to let go. And that's what I did. But I didn't know necessarily 
I knew I knew the distinctions about that from my past work, but really the depth of surrender and letting go that I was about to go through to get to the other side. The only way I was able to truly let go and surrender that depth was by loving myself so deeply because to let go and surrender, it's scary. Mm -hmm. And so the more deeply I love myself, the safer I felt, the more I was able to surrender and let go. That sounds like a great story. The narrative really is embracing yourself and not judging yourself. Chris, if people want to read more about your experience, um, and I know you're a writer, I, you have a blog as well, how can they contact you? Yeah, so I'd say the best way is thelovequotient.org. Thelovequotient.org. And there's great articles about what I've been talking about. There's a link to my prison story when I spoke at the California Women's Conference and uh, my contact information is there as well. All right. That sounds excellent. So we, we've just scratched at the surface. I'd love to have you back on the show so we can go more in depth as to how people can explore and access the Love Quotient. Thank you very much for participating in today's show, and we will certainly go at this again. Sounds good. Thanks, Mel. In my opinion, there is no greater meaning and purpose in life than to experience loving yourself and therefore being able to love others. We are all in pursuit of happiness in our lives. It's elusive for many. It's elusive for most. I believe that's because we haven't inculcated, we haven't yet developed the value of self-love and love for others. It just has not been a priority in our lives. If you weren't raised or nurtured and nourished in a loving way that you feel that you should have been, you're not doomed. You're not imprinted. You can break the cycle by setting the intention that you'd like to have a healthy, nurturing relationship with yourself. And then the work begins. And we will be discussing that in later episodes, as I've discussed. In the meantime, if you want to seek the true source of happiness, a happiness that is not elusive and is not fleeting. It comes from the quality of your relationship with yourself. It is not dependent upon anything outside of yourself. Of course, there are highs and lows to life, things that thrill us and excite us and make us feel great, things that limit us. But the baseline for happiness comes from your relationship with yourself. So think about it. Are your beliefs? Are your thoughts your best ally, your worst critic, or somewhere in between? The goal is to make them your best ally. And again, I remind you, I'm not suggesting that you're not accountable. You are accountable. It is a continual learning process. Set your intention and your devotion to loving yourself in a caring and resilient way, which kind of becomes resplendent. You have so much to offer those around you when you do so. If you have any questions or comments about this very dear and complex subject, please send me an email at mel at melschwartz.com. Here's to loving yourself and loving others. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Possibility Podcast with me, Mel Schwartz. To learn more about this topic and related subjects, please be sure to check out The Possibility Principle, my book at thepossibilityprinciple.com. I always welcome and look forward to your feedback. Please leave a comment at the show notes for this episode at melschwartz.com slash podcast or simply send me an email at mel at melschwartz.com. You can also use that email address if you'd like to be a caller on a future show and have a topic you'd like me to discuss. If you never want to miss an episode, find The Possibility Principle in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and be sure to hit that subscribe button. You'll get new episodes as soon as they are released. And if you know anyone who might benefit from The Possibility Podcast, please tell them about the show. Thank you for listening. And until next time, have a great day and keep summoning up those new possibilities. Thank you.